couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. Hey, it's Wheel of Randy, everybody's favorite Randy Newman podcast. Wheel of Randy is part of the Good Trash Media Network. A couple of notes before the show today. My guest and I are going to be discussing several songs. Feel free to pause and listen to each song before we talk about it. If you go to our Twitter page, at Wheel of Randy, you will find links to all the songs that we're discussing today. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. Stay tuned after this episode for a message from those fine folks. Let's start the show. It's Wheel of Randy. My guest today is the owner of Oki Space, a traveling planetarium. They are an educator, an advocate, a science enthusiast. And please welcome to the Wheel of Randy, Joey Rodman. Yay, I'm here. It is so good to hear your voice. You're, you're one of the, those people that, that, that I know only from Twitter, and uh, it, it, it's just nice to hear another voice right now. You know, for, for the audience's sake, we are still deep in quarantine around here, so it is nice to talk to people. Yeah, I think this is um, the first non-business um, like phone call meeting I've had this whole time because I usually just text, but I haven't left my house except for like twice since March 14th, and it is June. <laughs> and seriously, Joey, thank you. I I I really really wish we had 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 more of that uh, more of that attitude. It seems like here it is like early June and people are getting pretty cavalier about it. So. I appreciate your your being responsible about this. Um, one of the reasons that I started this this podcast, you know, when there are a million new podcasts out there, is that I kind of see it as as our civic duty to to flood people with in home entertainment options. Just any reason at all to convince people to stay home is uh, what I'm on board for. Uh, I have to admit, I don't know very much about Randy's music, though. Well, I, I, I sometimes I call myself a, a, a Newman evangelist, but I'm here to say, hey, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And you know, my, my, my friends get, get sick of me making those recommendations, so I figured I'd make those recommendations official uh, and, and do it online. I want to talk planetariums with you. Okay. Because I, like so many people, uh, had had an astronomy fascination as a child. Um, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, which is a big space town. And so there was very much an astronomy culture and, and a space culture, especially um, among, among the kids. Um, and we had a a decent planetarium, especially for a, a city our size. Uh, but that it's generally the kind of thing that 
that is limited to big cities, which is why I'm so excited about the project you have. Tell, tell us a little bit about Oki Space. So um, my whole life, I've wanted a portable planetarium. Okay, and not my whole life. Since somebody brought one to my school in second grade, I thought, wow, this is the coolest thing. Um, so we have a great planetarium here in the city I live in. And we have a pretty good one up in Tulsa. But um, my planetarium is different because I can take it with me. So what I've been doing for the past two years is traveling around rural Oklahoma to really, really small towns and taking my planetarium into their school, setting it up in the gym and spending a day there. Sometimes I'll see an entire town's worth of students in a day from K through 12. And that's only because the towns are super, super small. So they have like, you know, 800 or 1,000 students all the way from kindergarten up to 12th grade. So it's easy to just get in there one day and see them all. I wow. usually don't visit schools here in the city because we do have a planetarium here. Um, but I have been finding out um, recently that when school opens back up, they're not going to be able to take field trips because they, the social distancing and all of those things. So right. um, I might end up visiting some schools here in the Oklahoma City area when school opens back up because uh, they just, they really can't go anywhere. They already didn't kind of have funding to go on big little trips like that, but things are getting a little uh, different in our new normal, as they call it. Second grade really does seem to be the, the magic age. That, that That's, that's, seems like that's a time when 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 uh when kids are are, are really fascinated by, by by things like like the, the night sky and by by constellations and there, there's such a, a lovely marriage between between astronomy and and greek mythology uh which it seems like kids that age are, are also attracted to um have you known all your life this is what you wanted to do? I, I know you said this really captured your imagination as a, a second grader. I think um, second grade, I didn't realize it was an actual job that you could do. I thought <laughs> that this person just had this planetarium and was, you know, it was their day off and they were going to come hang out with us. And I think I thought that because they were like so animated and excited about space. I was like, wow, this obviously must be their hobby because everyone hates their job. Right. <laughs> um, and then um, third grade, I had a teacher who took us out to, it was the Omniplex back then. Um, it's Science Museum of Oklahoma now. And I saw a real planetarium and they're completely, um, at that time, they were completely different because they had an optical planetarium, and my planetarium um, is digital, so oh. the stars look different. And um, and I thought, oh, they must pay this person because this building is like a real workplace. And I said, oh, I can do that. And so when I was an adult, I ended up working at that planetarium for quite a while. And then um, eventually 
got the stuff together to get my own portable. But I, I think that I grew up at a time that was kind of ripe for little girls to get an interest in the space. And we, I grew up in the time of Challenger and they're, you know, they were putting women on the space shuttle and they were putting a teacher on the space shuttle. And I thought, okay, so if I can't have, if I can't have like my main job being planetarium, then I could be a teacher and then have a planetarium to show my class. And I had this whole thing planned out. Um, so yeah, it's been my main focus, I guess. That's a really long answer for the question you asked. <laughs> I'm curious about the mechanics of this. This is probably the engineer in me, me com coming out. H how to get a room dark enough, especially you know, a room that, that you're entering for the first time. Um, to, to, to get that, that planetarium experience. I'm, I'm curious how that works. I would love to see your, your, your exhibit. Well, um, so my dome is five meters. Uh, so it's pretty big. Can fit about 15 or 20 kids in there if I smush them in. I will never smush them in again, I think, in the time of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but... It, it kind of it inflates up like a bounce house. It's like a bounce house you can't bounce in. Whoa. Um, and once you get in there, it's completely dark. The, the cloth that it's made of, the outside cloth, does not let any light in. And then the inside cloth is made of the same material as like a movie screen. So when I project up, you are surrounded on um, three, 360 degrees and all the way up with the night sky. Wow. And to the point that sometimes little, little kids, like I'll, I'll go to daycare, so I'll get three to five-year-olds in there. And a lot of them start crying <laughs> <laughs> because they don't, they've never been to like an IMAX movie or anything like that. They've never been in a planetarium. A lot of the times the teachers of the daycare don't know what a planetarium is. Right. So the director will hire me to come out because that's the person I made my presentation to. And then the little, the daycare teachers come in and they say, what the heck am I in right now? Because <laughs> it looks like I'm outside. Um, so it's pretty cool. The only thing is I need a super big room to do it in because five meters tall is a pretty big dome. That is a big you know? dome. Yeah. Do you find that, uh, that rural kids versus city kids respond to planetariums in a different way. I know when, when, when I'm out in the country, you know, the night sky is, uh, I, I realize just how much I'm missing out on by living in the city. Do, 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 do the rural kids have a, an appreciation for, for just how fortunate they are to have a dark sky? A lot of them are. Um, here in the city, when I worked in the brick and mortar planetarium, I, I would get a, a lot of questions about kids for, about the Milky Way, because they could see it in the planetarium, but they had never seen it in real life. Yeah. Um, out in the rural areas, depending on how far away I am from things like casinos or oil fields, they may not be able 
to see the Milky Way even in rural Oklahoma anymore. So they still have a lot of fascination with that. But even in the areas where the sky is the darkest, when I get the planetarium in there, they're super excited anyway because I have a digital planetarium. We can fly to just about anywhere in the recorded universe. So even if their own night sky is really cool on its own, I can take them and we can fly into the Orion Nebula or we can go land on Mars or we can fly out flat past Pluto and look back at the solar system. And so those kind of things can be really engaging, even if the kids live in a place where they're blessed with like a beautiful night sky. This is a really fantastic project. I'm, I'm so excited that you do this and, uh, We'll, we'll we'll have some some links to your work and 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 to your facility here at at the end of this show and uh, it'll also be on our Twitter feed. Uh, but I, I I just really admire what you're doing and and it's there's a lot of of well-meaning STEM activity out there uh, and as an engineer I kind of see where it comes comes from, but uh, it, it's nice to see outreaches that, that really embrace the wonder of science. And that, that's something that, that, that I really want, you know, younger kids to realize that, that, uh, the, the sciences and, and, and engineering are, are something where you don't have to check your imagination at the door. Oh, absolutely. I get a lot of little kids that, um, will come up. I do a Q and a during the show. So that if somebody says, you know, what does the backside of the moon look like? The kind we can't, part we can't see. I can say, okay, well, everybody here, we're going to go look at it now. But then after the show, when they're kind of filing out, waiting for the next class to come in, I have little shy kids come up to me and um, they'll say, okay, but if I want to do this, what do I need to be doing in school so that I can prepare myself? And that really makes me want to do this more to know that, that I've that's got gotta these, be a great feeling these little you know third fourth fifth graders in a small town in Oklahoma that's got a Masios, two gas stations and a park and you know, their parents lived there their whole lives and their grandparents did their whole lives and their great-grandparents did their whole lives and these kids are starting to see hey there's a way for me to have a job that I love and I can still live here and I can still be in my community, but I can travel around and do something really, really cool. And they're already, you can see they're already trying to figure out like, okay, how do I make this work? How do I stay in this town I love, but also have a career in science? And so those interactions are some of my favorite ones. Have you had cooperation with, with, with the tribes? We have a lot of, of, of nations here, here in Oklahoma, and you know, I, I'm sure that, 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 that their, I, I hate to use the word mythology, but the, the narratives that they have behind the constellations uh, have got to be different from the, the Greco-Roman ones that, 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 that I'm used to. Has there been a connection made there? Uh, yeah, actually, so... I worked last year 
uh, with the Wichita tribe, they have their own portable planetarium. And so they let me come in as an educator, as a contractor, and do their planetarium out in that area of Oklahoma, down around Anadarko. And I learned a lot about their sky lore. And it actually inspired me. I'm hoping to start my master's degree this fall in cultural astronomy because I got super interested in how every culture that's ever lived has looked up at the night sky and they've all noticed how the starscapes changes over the night, how it changes over the seasons. And every group of people that's ever lived has their own sky lore and their own constellations. And I think it's really important to try to go through and mix my knowledge of the night sky with their knowledge of the night sky and try to recover or preserve some of these stories because some of them are at risk for being lost. And yeah. I'm not going to cry. It breaks my heart <laughs> that these people have lived this entire time and they have this beautiful, beautiful tapestry of myth and of tradition and their own stories. And it kind of got pushed to the wayside because a lot of people don't think astronomy is important. And anything I can do to help document this and keep them so that future generations can learn even how different tribes interacted with each other you can see it through their sky lord you can see these two tribes were friends and they traded and they didn't just trade goods and services with each other they actually traded stories back and forth and some of them have adopted and adapted another tribe's story into their own because it was so cool. As a, as a dark skies advocate, what can we, the homeowners, and frankly, we're going to have a lot of engineers listening to this, what can we as, as design engineers, uh, but just as regular citizens, what steps can we take to, uh, to reduce light pollution? Well, the first thing... I always say is to make sure that your lighting outside is pointing down. Um, and everybody thinks that their lighting is pointing down, but a lot of times it's, it's not shielded, so it's not. One thing I would suggest is next really foggy day, when it's like super foggy, go around and look at your outdoor lights because that light will get caught in the fog and you'll be able to see where that light is going. If you think about when you go out on a hike at night, you have a flashlight, you shine it down at the ground or, or even out in front of you a little bit to see where you're going. Nobody goes out on a nighttime hike and points their flashlight up at the sky. I mean, that's ridiculous. We don't need to light up the sky. It already has a moon and stars. It's already ready, you know. Um, as homeowners, if you could switch to yellow lights instead of kind of on the, the blue spectrum, that's better. Really? Yeah. Um, the more blue or white your light is, the more light pollution it's causing. And the way human eyes work, it's going to keep you from being able to see stars that you may have been able to see 
if you had a yellow or kind of orangish light. You'll see that when a lot of phones now have the little nighttime filter that strips the blue light out of your phone. It's because our eyes see better in the dark if the light is more of a yellow tone. So you don't get that part where when you're in the light, it's super bright, and then you look where the light doesn't hit and it's super dark. You can dark adapt better and see better if you're not having these super bright kind of blue temperature lights out. One last question before we get to music. If I wanted to, let, let's say a meteor shower is coming up and I want to get a good view. Uh, here I am in Oklahoma City. Uh, how far out should I drive to really be able to appreciate it? So here, even in the city, there are places that are a bit darker. Um, that If you're really you know, last minute, grab the kids, put them in a car, I found out there's a meteor shower going on right now. Um, back in the back end of Delisi Park, over there off of Northwest Expressway, it actually gets pretty dark back there. Um, you'll want to be kind of careful driving in there with your headlights on on a good astronomy night because the other astronomers hanging out there are going to be real mad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be careful about that. Lake Hefner is not that bad. Um, if you can get around in the back end of Lake Hefner, kind of where the jogging trails are. Um, but again, you want to balance between having your headlights on um, so that you're not going to hurt anyone that's out there jogging or riding their bike but also not pulling right up to where you see telescopes with your lights on bright. Mm. You definitely want to make friends with anyone with a telescope. So try not to be having, you know, bright lights on your cell phone, doing a flashlight right in their face. That's not nice. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be happy with you. Your answer surprised me. I didn't realize that even in, in within a city, there could be pockets of dark that that would, would, would make that big a difference? There is, and the only way I know that is I run a citizen science program here in Oklahoma for light pollution tracking. And there's an app that shares data with me called Loss of the Night, and it's a free app. Um, and you can go out in June, we're doing between the 13th and the 22nd, and in July, it's between the 12th and the 21st. You can go out with that app, and it will help you make a report of how dark the sky is where you are. Wow. And then I take all of that information, and I make a stargazing map for Oklahoma State. But I really want to make one for Oklahoma City so that we can find where those dark pockets are in our city, not just so we know where to go stargazing, but also so that we can show city leaders like this area, the lighting you have in this specific area is good. This area, the lighting that you have in that specific area is not as good. And so having that data, the more people I get to help me in the city, the more we can improve our light pollution problem that we have in Oklahoma City because we have some really bad areas down in Bricktown 
there is one LED sign that causes 70% of light pollution. And I know that because... I think I know the sign you're talking about. Yeah, It it's... went out once. And I went down there with my dark sky meter and I took measurements. And with that sign off, you can see about 700 more stars than when that sign is on. Good heavens. And we have no laws in Oklahoma City about how bright things can be. And that's a problem. This is a problem we cannot solve without hard data showing where things are too bright and where things are just right. Well, anything that makes politicians look soft on crime is going to be an uphill battle. <laughs> it seems, seems like there's this, I don't know where this idea even came from that brighter light means less crime. There's actually a ton of scientific studies um, and I'll link them on my Twitter after this airs that show that the, the amount of light or the brightness of it does not have any correlation with the crime statistics. Wow. So making things brighter seems like it would work, but it actually doesn't. And that's, that's the thing with science is you sometimes you think something makes common sense, but then when you go out and you actually test it and you actually look at it, you find out it really doesn't. Yeah, I've seen that many times in my field as well. So before we get to to today's uh, Randy Newman song, I wanted to to kind of ask you some general music questions so we can know know your your background. Um, first question: What is a record that you love that most people have already heard of? Don't give me something obscure. Oh goodness, um, kind of. That's a hard question, man. I love every record. I really love um, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, my mom gave me a record player, and I um, expropriated some records from my grandfather's antique store. <laughs> and um, Led Zeppelin II, the second one, was my very first record and I listened to it in secret because I was not supposed to have it. So I did the whole, you know, big eighties headphones on. I, I even put a towel to cover the gap in my door because I thought that would help my mom not know I was listening to rock music. Um, but that whole album just from like start to finish, I think was really well done. Mm. Very good. Um, who's a musical group that you love that you wish more people knew about? Someone that never really got the credit they deserved. So there's, there's a local band that I love, um, and they're still making music. And so I try to, I try to direct people there, but there's also, um, a band that my daughter loves that's called um, The Cults. And they actually haven't made that much music, but the music they have made is super good. Could you spell that for me? Uh, T-H-E space C-U-L-T-S. Okay, now there was, The Cult was in the 80s, right? Right, this okay. is, a, this is a, um, a band 
I think I first heard of them in the middle 2000s, um, but they're still going around. They do like a concert a year, but we always find out about it like 24 hours before the concert. <laughs> and last time, like I really tried to make it happen for her because she was turning 16 and I found out like a week ahead of time that they were going to be in Chicago one day at a barbecue festival. And I thought, okay, Chicago's not that far away. We're going to go. We're going to make it work. And then um, I'm, like, pricing plane tickets. I'm trying to figure out, like, maybe we could drive. Like, I can drive. I'm a grown-up. We can do this. And then they canceled. <sighs> and I was like, no. No. And the, they don't, they don't like, they have, like, two albums. And they don't tour. And I think that's why nobody knows about them. But they make lovely music, like absolutely lovely music. I will check them out this afternoon. All right, the Colts. Next question. What's a movie soundtrack you enjoy? Oh, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But also... um. There was a movie in the 80s called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah, yeah, that was Sir Jessica Parker, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Helen Hunt, which is a fun... And Helen Hunt was in that! <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a song on that soundtrack that I love, but that whole soundtrack is really good if you get up on a Saturday and you know you need to clean the house and you don't want to. That music is the perfect soundtrack for, like obligatory dusting <laughs> it's, it's just puts you in a good mood it's a really good soundtrack cool cool all right next question and this is quarantine has ruined this line of questions but live music yes no or not anymore um i only go see one band live it's the local band that i was talking about and um, mm -hmm. dr pants Okay. I go I go see them live, um, but I have an auditory processing disorder, so listening to live music is hard for me because there's other noises going on as well. Mm. So then I don't enjoy it as much because it becomes this um, cacophony of noise and not just the song. But I will go see Dr. Pants live um, because the show is so fun that it doesn't bother me that maybe I can't always hear everything that I want to the way I want to. That yeah. the show is so fun that it's worth it for me to go. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Let's talk about today's song. Why don't you tell the audience what Randy song did you bring to the show today? But the only one I knew that wasn't in a cartoon was the theme song from Monk, and it's called It's a Jungle Out There. Okay. Uh, for, for our audience, you, uh, uh, Joey, we, do, we don't play the actual music on here for legal reasons, but uh, let me encourage the audience to, to pull that up. The, the version that, that, that I have is off of Randy's album Dark Matter. So we will give the audience a quick break here for them to listen. God, Camptown Races, sing this song, doo-dah, doo-dah. And we're back. 
Okay, Joey, this is this is this is a fun song. This is this this is one that that you know I heard you know for years and years and years on Monk. Tell tell me what you like about this song. Um, so I really like it because it kind of the part from Monk. At least I had not heard the whole song until earlier this week. I didn't even know there was more to the song, but the part from Monk. Um really speaks to me. I have OCD. Uh-huh, yeah. And so I was like, the first time I watched Monk, I thought, I'm going to hate watch this show because somebody was like, ah, oh, there's a guy in it with OCD and it's really, like, unrealistic, you know? And I mm -hmm. thought, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to I'm gonna rip it to shreds. Yeah. And I heard the theme song and I was like, no, that's how I feel all the time. <laughs> And I, I don't really know that Monk really was that unrealistic about OCD. Um, it's hard because a lot of it goes on in our head. So I don't know how they would show that part. People want them to, but I don't know how they could. Um, I, I, think a lot of I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with, with OCD, uh, you know, I've, I, I, I'm on the spectrum, as it were. Um, but it, it's it's easy for people to conflate it with being with being a neat freak, or uh, um, oh, and a lot of the stereotypes that you know, that Monk plays with. Um, but it, 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 it's so much more than that, isn't it? It is. It's people think that um, I'm because I worry about things being contaminated that I'm like a germaphobe or that I'm um, super neat and super clean and that I'm going to disinfect everything. And that's not true. Um, my, and everyone's OCD is different. We all have our own things that we fixate on. It's just like autism is a different experience for everyone. Um, OCD is a different experience for everyone, but one core thing that we all have is the same anxiety all the way down. Yeah. Like it's not that I want things to be a certain way and it bothers me if they're not. It's that I'm worried about the way things are. And so I try to fix them. I get a lot of people that say, oh, I alphabetize my books. I'm so OCD. And I'm like, no, honey, everyone alphabetizes their books. Like, <laughs> unless you have spent the night up crying and redoing it for like eight hours because you're not sure if you did it right, that is when you get over into the disordered territory, not just, oh, you know, this book wasn't there and I didn't like it, so I moved it and then it was over. Like, that's perfectly normal for somebody who likes things to be in order, you know? Um, but yeah, it's anxiety all the way down. And that's why I like this song is because it, it almost plays to the way my brain is continually thinking about, okay, what is happening? Is that dangerous to me? Can I control it? What can I do to feel better about the fact that I can't? Mm. And that's just continually in the loop in my brain all the time. The line that strikes me about it 
uh, is where he says, I could be wrong now, but I don't think so. It's almost like he acknowledges, yeah, there's, there's something going on. Uh, but at, at the same time, <laughs> these feelings aren't going away. Yeah, I feel that a lot because it, it kind, one of the, the horrors of having OCD is that sometimes you know that your brain is being ridiculous. However, intellectually knowing that the thoughts that you're having are way out of touch and way too too much anxiety does not stop those thoughts from happening. Yes. And so that line specifically, you know, is acknowledging to me, okay, I know that I probably don't need to go to lock the door again for the 38th time tonight. However, I would really like to check it. <laughs> would really like to check it just like for the 55th time. I would really like to check that lock one more time because I'm just not sure. Mm. And so, I mean, I guess that's why I picked this song. Like, I think it's a really good kind of way to describe the way I feel that doesn't make me sound nuts. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely a, a sympathetic character, and uh, R- Randy writes a lot of songs from the viewpoint of of uh, uh, creeps and and, and 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 paranoid people. But but this is one where where yeah, you're definitely you definitely sympathize with with the character who's singing this. Um, you mentioned that that uh, it wasn't until we, we started talking about this show that that you heard the full version of the song, and you know it, it is it takes a really really drastic turn in in in, in verses two and three. Uh, did, would would you kind of summarize what you got out of of those later verses? I mean, when you told me that it. it takes a turn and I should probably listen to the whole song. Um, I thought, holy geez, what is happening? Um, so I went at, and I listened to it and then I pulled up the lyrics because of my hearing issue. Yeah. And um, I was like, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want those things to be true, so, but he's not wrong. So like um, he talks about um, you got to tap right on your phone in the second verse. Right. And the microphone and camera can check on everything you do. That's interesting to me. A few years back, um, I was doing freelance writing. I was not working in any planetarium and I was just, you know, um, a content mill for mommy blogs, so to speak. Uh-huh. And I had been to the library so often that my phone assumed it was my workplace. And so my Google Maps said, is this library your workplace? If so, you can save it and then we can give you traffic alerts in the morning so when you go, you'll know which streets to take. Oh, how thoughtful. <laughs> and I th- that was the first time that I really 
internalized, wow, my phone really knows what I'm up to, yeah. but really does not know what I'm up to. And, you know, all through the 80s, uh, all through the Cold War, there were people that talked about there being taps on their phones. And, you know, that was kind of seen as a, a kooky thing. And <laughs> here we are. And we're doing it willingly. Yeah. I, and so the, the phone thing is not my specific wheelhouse of anxiety. Um, I think I have a normal amount of anxiety about it. Hmm. But I also, um, my friend has the little Alexa in her house. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Because if that thing can hear you say, hey, Alexa, it can probably hear you all the time. Yep. <laughs> and that, that like, put my tinfoil hat right on, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I can understand that. He, he says, you know, call me, call me paranoid, but as the saying goes, even paranoids have enemies. <laughs> yeah. And well, and... It, but I say just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Yeah. And balancing between a healthy fear of life and an anxiety-driven kind of um, fear, finding that balance on that continuum is really hard these days for a lot of people. And so they, they tend to want to go to one extreme or the other to be like, I don't care. My phone can track me. I don't have anything to hide. I don't want. And then other people that are like, I'm going to delete every app and make my phone almost non-functional because I'm afraid. And somewhere in the middle is the right place, I think. But I don't think anyone knows where that is. I think so too, but... It's hard for people to live with that kind of nuance anymore. I, I think about it in the middle of this this pandemic. Uh, I'm seeing some people that are, are taking this really dangerous binary attitude of I can have fear or I can have faith. And you know we're not talking about faith, and <laughs> we're not going down that rabbit hole today. But but there's this this kind of attitude of you know I can't be afraid of everything that's going on. If I, if, if I get sick or if I die, I die. And so it, it kind of is giving people an excuse to be, to be careless about this. Yeah. Well, I think there's that rebellion thing too. Um, that if somebody tells you to do something automatically, you don't want to do it. And that, that's really strong here in Oklahoma. Yeah. We have a wrong independent streak everyone that lives here what we get independent about is different but we all have that thing like when you were assigned a book in school to read automatically I don't want to read that book right I would have picked it on my own I would have read the book and I would have enjoyed it but the fact that it was an assignment did some kind of a zap in my brain. And I was like, no, I don't want to read that book because you want me to read it. But then I've gone on later and reread things I was forced to read in school. And they're really good books. And I'm like, gosh, why couldn't I see this when I was 14? 
how good this book is. Yeah. And so I, there's that that goes, the reason I haven't left my house is not because I'm terrified. It's because I got swine flu back when swine flu was a thing. Ooh. And I have lung damage from that to this day. And so until our numbers are going down and they're starting, I'm starting to see where I can venture out and things that I do feel are safe. It's not safe for me to get any kind of respiratory illness. So if one is going around and we're not really sure how many people have it or, you know, what we can do about it, then, then my anxiety ramps up a lot. However, it also makes me feel scared for other people who say, well, I'm going to go out and I'll get it. I'll probably recover. It'll be fine. I recovered from swine flu, but I end up with pneumonia every single year Mm. and end up in the hospital half the time just with a basic cold. Like the talking about nuance, it's not just I'll, I'll live or I'll die. There's a whole spectrum of messed up that your body can be even if you recover from an illness. Mm. And I, I think that nuance has been missed in a lot of the media when they say these people are high risk. I am. That these people are high risk and these people are low risk for death. And people say, oh, I'm low risk. And I'm like, for death. You're low (laughs) risk for death. Which is great, because I don't want anyone to die if they don't want to. But there's a lot of other things that can happen to you that are not great. And I wish that people knew that. And if I felt like they knew it and they were deciding any way to go out, maybe my anxiety for them wouldn't be so bad. And so I just try to take the, the tact that they're grown-ups and they know what they're doing and I need to worry about me and my stuff. But, oh, it, it hurts when I see someone I love go to the Lake of the Ozarks for Memorial Day weekend. Oh, yeah. It hurts. Because I'm like, they're like, well, if I die, I die. And I'm like, okay, but I don't want you to die. Like, I want you to be alive because I think you're cool. It's that that anxiety thing, again, is somewhere in the middle is the right area, but I don't think we figured out where that is, where where the point is that's good yet. And so we've got people kind of going on the edges, you know, of like, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to leech vibe every grocery that comes into this house. And then people that are like, I don't care. I'm going to go lick the bus. <laughs> <laughs> like the, somewhere in the middle. And I'm still trying to find my middle. Yeah. You picked a good one. It's jungle out there. I, I think it would be easy for a lot of uh, the hardcore Randy people to overlook because, because you know, it's part of his TV work. But the, there's a lot of depth to this. And uh I appreciate you you picking that. Now, here comes the dangerous part of the show, Joey. Okay, I'm ready. I ran for office once, so I'm pretty good with. I'm pretty good with putting my foot in my mouth. All right, well, 
Well, we'll, we'll have to talk about that another time. <laughs> I am bringing out the wheel. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Here it is playing here, but I've got a randomized list of Randy Newman songs. And you might have heard it before. You've probably never heard it before, but we will give a listen together and then talk it over. Joey Rodman, are you ready to spin the wheel? I'm ready. All right, give me your best wheel spin imitation, and I'll open up the spreadsheet. I don't have a wheel spin imitation. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> All right, and we have landed on, this song is called Big Hat, No Cattle. This is uh, from the album Bad Love from like the late 90s. All right, I found it. All right, so give that a listen, and audience, we will be back in a few minutes. Bet my money on a bobtown drag all the yeah. doodah day. And we're back. Uh, so I have, if you can open up your chat window, I've posted the lyrics there. What do you think of this song? Um, actually, I liked it a lot. And um, I actually, I've never heard it. But I, ha I am familiar with the concept of big hat, no cattle. Um, now, I, 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 I'd always heard it as all hat, no cattle. Yeah, my dad used to say "all hat, no cattle." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the first uh, the first time I really remember him saying that is um, I was running for student treasurer in the student council, and uh, the girl I was running against did pretty bad in our debate. I mean, neither of us did good because we were in fifth grade. But <laughs> I remember my dad being like, "Oh, you got this. She's all hat, no cattle." And I was like, the what now? <laughs> but he explained it, and I get it. And I, I end up saying it a lot now um, when I'm talking about usually politicians. You know, I say, oh, he's all hat, no cattle. Like, he's, he's pretending to be something that he's not. Yeah. Um, I, I, whenever I hear that phrase, I always think of, of this this guy I used to work with who, who had, you know, he, he had the hat, he had the, the old West handlebar mustache and he had the, the Ford F two fifty, but it was for a, you know, he lived in this, you know, one acre lot in the suburbs. Yeah. I remember. And um, so I grew up probably my formative years um, out near Clinton, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, my great uncle has a wheat fields out there and he's got a cattle ranch in Perry. And so in the summer I would go either out to Clinton to help him, um, do things around his land or up to Perry to help him with the cattle. And so the, that background's important because when I was like, 17, 18 years old, I was in one of those 16 to enter 21 drink clubs. 
uh-huh. it, was con- it was country themed. And um, this guy, he was like 21 trying to hit on me. And I kept being like, you're old. I'm 16. Like, please do not. Um, and he, I guess he felt rejected because he was. But he goes, oh, you don't know. You just can't handle a steer like me. And I almost fell off my bar stool because a steer is a bull that has been castrated. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, man, you've got the hat and the starch jeans and the boots, but you don't know a thing about what you're trying to portray yourself as. Not a single thing about it. And I thought that was the funniest reaction to me rejecting a guy ever is that, that he is was like fantastic. super proud. <laughs> he was like super proud to tell the entire like club that he was a steer. <laughs> I thought, wow, dude, wow. Uh. And no, I didn't explain it to him because he was already, you know. We were we were done. I didn't need to embarrass him. Everyone around him understood his mistake, even if he didn't. But we we're just going to let him have it because you know everybody needs their moment. It seems like uh, I don't drive a truck, and sometimes uh, sometimes people give me crap for that. You know, especially if I'm I'm out. Uh, you know, I, I I do a lot of work in in in, in southeast Oklahoma and in, in the rural parts of the state. And you know, here I am driving my little Nissan Altima, and you know, some people look at me funny for it. But I, I very much have this attitude of, you know, when I need a truck, I'll rent a truck. Oh but, yeah. But, but there are a lot of people that. Uh, they haven't earned their truck. If, if it's covered in mud, or if 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 you know you've got a a a, 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 a what was it a, a farming license plate, um, you know if I can tell that you're really using it, you get a pass. But there are a lot of people just tootling around the suburbs in some really really nice trucks, and it just it just kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, one of my neighbors um, was moving, and I was helping them, and they had rented a pickup truck from U-Haul, which, by the way, if you ever need to, like, rent a car because your um, car broke down and you just need it for a day, you can rent a truck from U-Haul cheaper than you can rent a car from the car rental place. Oh, yeah, especially if you keep your mileage low. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you just need to go to work and back you're out for like 30 bucks. It's great. But he rented one and I was like, you have a truck. And he goes, Oh, I don't want to scratch the bed of my truck. And as a girl who grew up around farms, I was like, you what? (laughs) Like if, if you have no scratches in the back of your truck, probably you're not using it for what a truck is for. Yeah. Probably. I I just, like, that was such an alien concept to me that he was like, oh, I can't put things in the truck. That would ruin the truck. It's so funny how we're obsessed with image. Uh, 
and especially, you know, I, I, I can only speak for, for Oklahoma and, you know, Alabama where I grew up, which is very, very similar culturally to Oklahoma, but there's this, uh, People will, will just go out of their way, uh, men especially, to to you know put put up this this show of masculinity. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of pressure here in Oklahoma to conform to very strict gender roles to the point where I, I even asked you, like, do I need to make my hair pretty for the, for the podcast? Oh. Because you'll get judged. I didn't even judged. process that. Yeah. Because so, my hair's in a ponytail because you were like, no. <laughs> no, I haven't cut my hair since March. Uh, but that that's so funny because, you know, here 20 minutes ago, we were talking about Oklahomans being these rugged individualists and refusing to be put in a box, but at the same time, we're so pressured to conform. Yeah, I, was, there was, I saw a meme once that um, said, I like shopping at Dollar Tree because I don't have to get dressed up like when I go to Walmart. <laughs> and I said, that is so Oklahoma. You know, growing up out, we had a Sonic and we had like a strip and Friday nights, we would drive our cars up and down the strip, and then we pull into Sonic. You had to pull in, and you had to go all the way around to see who was there in case you want to park by somebody good. Mm. And this was like the tender of, like, mid-'90s Clinton, Oklahoma. Like, this is how you went around to see who's single, who can I date, where do, you know, who do I want to talk to, is you would go out on Friday night, and you would dress up, do your makeup and your hair, and then you would get in your car and you would drive up and down the street just in a loop for like hours because that's what everybody did. I, I know that uh, Route 66 here in town, I think it's in Bethany, they have no U-turn signs specifically for evenings on the weekend. You can U-turn yeah. any other time, but not when it's time to cruise the strip. Yeah, I I had a friend come in from Philly, and I took her out to see Lake Overholzer, and we were driving down there, and she was like, y'all's U-turn signs are weird. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, it says between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Friday through Sunday, you cannot do a U-turn. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, because they don't want you to go cruising. And she's like, what now? And I was like, explain it to her. She goes, Joey, that sounds stupid. And I was like, because it is. But also, that's what we do here because we don't have anything else to do. Yeah. I mean, would people look at the kids in American graffiti and say, oh, that's stupid. No, that's, that's just what people did. Yeah. I went to the drive-in movie last weekend Ooh. for the first time in a long time because I thought, this is a safe thing for me in this time of COVID. I get to go on a date with my husband we get to stay in the car. We don't have to talk to anyone, but I'm I'm out of the house, right? So it totally counts. And it, it was really nice. And I thought, well, you know, maybe some of that stuff should come back. You know, maybe we threw out all of the good things like drive-in theaters, and maybe we should just bring those back now because it was actually a really nice night. Is there a good crowd out there? 
Um, yeah, they're only filling to half capacity so that you have a car lane or a parking space between you and the other car. But it was filled as far as they would let it. It was it was filled. So we got there an hour early and we were already the line was backed out into the street. So maybe we need to build more drive-in theaters. <laughs> I, I, I'm all for it. All right. Um, the next segment is, is called This Week's Cover. This Week's Cover. Every episode, I recommend a cover of a Randy song, a, a Randy song that was sung by someone else. Uh, because he is more of a songwriter than a performer. Um, and so I, I'd recommend for my audience this week, Sail Away. There have been a ton of, of, of covers of Sail Away, but the, the one I'd recommend is by Etta James. You can find it on YouTube. I think there's a Spotify. Uh, Sail Away is, is a, a very dark, cynical uh, song uh, that, touches on the slave trade at, at one point. Uh, and Etta James really, really captures the cynicism of that. Uh, and uh, there are lots of versions of Sail Away, but for a cover, guys, I would recommend Etta James' version. Okay, well, we've come to the part of the show called Plugs. Joey, how can people get hold of you? Uh, how can they contact you? And, and what events do you have coming up that people could be interested in? So you can follow me on Twitter at Oki Space Queen. Um, you can also, when you get to my Twitter, there's a link to my website, okispace.com. And that's where you would go if you want to learn about booking the planetarium. I do private parties. You just need kind of a big area for me to set up the dome. Um, usually it'll fit in people's garage if they have a two-car garage and there's so nothing fun. else in there. Um, can you set it up outside? I mean, can you do it in the parking lot or does it need, or does, does the wind play with you on that? I've never done it. My dome came with sandbags and tent stakes so that I could set it up outside but I've not ever done it. I'm willing to try it, <laughs> but that Oklahoma wind is uh, sometimes a force to be reckoned with, so we would have to be real careful about the weather. Um, other than that, coming up June 13th through the 22nd, we're doing light pollution survey, so if you download the app Loss of the Night, it's free on Apple and Android. Basically, all you have to do is go outside after the sun sets, point it up at the sky, and it will tell you what constellations you're looking at. It uses GPS for that. And then it'll tell you to move around, and it'll ask you, can you see the star or not? And you say yes or no, and then you're done. Mm. And so that's, that's super helpful, especially if you live in Oklahoma City, because I'm trying to get that Oklahoma City light pollution map done. But this is a worldwide project. So anywhere you live in the world, there is a scientist using this data. And so you can help uh, by being a citizen scientist and helping us find out more about the night sky. 
Will there be a time after June 15th through 22nd? This probably won't be released before then. Right, so then we have July 12th through the 21st and August 10th through the 19th, and then it kind of goes on from there. It's usually right around the new moon is when we want you to go out and do it so that um, you don't have a full moon that's messing with your ability to see the stars. Perfect. I will, I will link that information uh, on this show's Twitter feed and, and on my own. Joey, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wheel of Randy for links to today's songs. Thanks to Good Trash Media for distributing this show. Thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. Check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Thanks to Matt Farley for our original music. Check out his many, many compositions at moternmedia.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Our background music is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids. You can find that wherever you get your public domain ragtime. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. We are a water and sewer engineering firm registered in Oklahoma and Texas. And if you ask nicely, we'll register in your state too. Wade specializes in hydraulic modeling. If you're a city or a rural water district or a fire department, you've got to get a hydraulic model. First thing before you spend one more dollar on construction, get a model. If you're an engineering firm, don't do hydraulic modeling yourself. This isn't something you can learn on the job. It's very easy for a hydraulic model to give you the wrong answer if you're not careful. Play it safe and bring in an expert. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634. See you next time, everybody. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.